Welcome to a new weekly podcast series called USERF Spotlight, hosted by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, an independent federal advisory body. During each episode, Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, features a special guest to dive deeper on various topics and breaking developments that impact the universal right to freedom of religion or belief around the globe. Welcome to USERF Spotlight. I'm Dwight Bashir. Today we're going to look at recent developments in Uzbekistan, where in the last couple of years, religious freedom conditions have improved under the leadership of President Shavkat Mirziyoyev. In 2019, USERF twice visited Uzbekistan to meet officials, former political and religious prisoners, and religious communities to hear firsthand about the government's efforts to increase the space for religious freedom and about the continued obstacles and challenges that exist. In 2020, USERF released the country update on Uzbekistan that detailed ongoing concerns about religious prisoners restrictions on Muslims in particular, and legislation that impedes the activities of all religious communities. Just this past fall, we published a report on the global persecution of Jehovah's Witnesses, which included a section on the difficulties experienced by the community in Uzbekistan. And last year, for the first time in 15 years, USERF did not recommend Uzbekistan for designation as a country of particular concern, and instead, recommended it for the State Department's special watch list, uh, a real step in the right direction. Today, we're going to discuss the range of improvements, uh, the country's ongoing efforts to revise legislation restricting religious activity, and other areas of continued concern that the government has yet to fully address. We're fortunate to have with us uh, today USERF Senior Policy Analyst Kili Bakken, who covers Uzbekistan, the Caucasus, and Turkey for the Commission, to discuss these issues in depth. Welcome, Keely. Thanks for having me, Dwight. You were part of both of those recent visits to Uzbekistan that I mentioned earlier. So before we delve into the more recent uh, developments, can you give us uh, some background on these positive changes that you've seen in Uzbekistan over the last few years? Definitely. Uh, USERF has reported on Uzbekistan since the early 2000s and recommended CDC designation beginning in 2005 and every year since until, as you mentioned, last year when the commission for the first time recommended its placement on the special watch list. This is in recognition of the recent steps Uzbekistan had taken to reform and its efforts to allow for greater religious freedom. For a long time under the authoritarian rule of Uzbekistan's first president, Islam Karimov, the country was considered one of the most egregious violators of religious freedom in the world. The government kept what religious activity it did allow under an extremely tight leash and relentlessly pursued those who didn't follow the government's restrictions on religion. Now, with the passing of Karimov in 2016 and the coming to power of his former prime minister, Shavkat Mirziyoyev, we've seen Uzbekistan embark on a number of reforms in an effort to improve its international image. Notably, this has included religious freedom, and I think a lot of that momentum was brought on by the UN Special Rapporteur on Freedom of Religion or Belief, Ahmed Shahid's visit to the country in late 2017. He produced a really comprehensive report on the state of religious freedom in the country, and within months, the Ali Majlis, Uzbekistan's parliament, adopted what they called a roadmap in response to the issues outlined in his report. Around this time, we also began to see the government increasingly allow some minority 
you know, mostly Christian religious communities uh, to register, although this is still very, very piecemeal and by no means systematic. And in 2019, we saw an end to law enforcement raids on religious communities, which you know, up until that point had really been a hallmark of religious freedom violations in Uzbekistan. Now, one of the most you know, significant developments of recent years has been the government's commitment to revise the country's restrictive 1998 religion law. This is something that USERF and many others have been pushing for quite some time. And the law itself had you know, really severely limited and facilitated state control over all aspects of religious practice. For example, it established a burdensome mandatory registration process that really made it difficult for small religious communities to legally operate and carry out basic religious activities like meeting for worship or coming together to share and discuss their beliefs. So the fact that the government in Uzbekistan has recognized the need to revise this law and has sought international input in its drafting process has been encouraging. Now you mentioned that the government pledged to revise this religion a few years ago, I think in 2018, and that it's since taken some steps to fulfill that promise, but we're still not there yet now, some three years later. Can you tell us about what changes are expected in that new law? Yeah, from what we've seen so far from the draft, the government has made some important changes to the law. This includes providing clear definitions of vague terminology, reducing the time frame to process registration applications and reducing the number of people required to be able to register a religious organization. So previously a group would need at the very least 100 people if they wanted to register. And in the latest draft, the government has lowered that number to 50, which is a big improvement. Although ideally you know, registration wouldn't be required for religious groups to be able to meet at all, but this is still an improvement and will make it somewhat easier for these smaller groups to be able to register. One other improvement is that the draft requires uh, removes a requirement for the mahala or local community to approve the registration of religious groups. This was problematic because the mahala really had full discretion to withhold its approval for any or, you know, in some cases for no reason at all. Uh, this was especially the case for Jehovah's Witnesses who have repeatedly been prevented from registering. So the draft removes this requirement. Um, but at the same time, there are still some concerns that the Mahalas may still end up playing some kind of informal, indirect role in the registration process. On the other hand, we've also seen some concerning additions. One new aspect of the law would require religious communities to obtain a letter of consent from the government's Committee on Religious Affairs and a letter of guarantee from the Hakimiyats or the, the local authorities for registration. The law doesn't specify on what grounds either of those letters are to be provided or denied. And so there are concerns that those requirements would function in the same way as the Mahala did in the process and you know, allow for potentially um, them to block the registration of minority religious groups like Jehovah's Witnesses or Baptists. So this is one aspect of the law that we'd hope to see the government either drop or at the very least clarify. So it sounds like, yeah, there's a wait and see on that, that piece of it. Uh, you stated earlier that Uzbekistan requested the input of the U.S. and international community in the drafting process, including the U.N. Special Rapporteur on Freedom of Religion and Belief, Ahmed Shahid, who had some specific recommendations for the government. 
Tell me, in what ways has Uzbekistan worked with the United States international community and responded uh, to these various recommendations? And do we know when the parliament intends to adopt that new law? Yeah, so last fall, Uzbekistan requested a legal review of its draft religion law from the OSCE, the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, and the Council of Europe's Venice Commission, which produced a full legal opinion of the draft law, highlighted the places where it fell short, and made a number of recommendations to improve the draft and bring it into conformity with international standards. And you know, this move was something that had been supported by the United States government and other international partners as well. Um, and then Uzbekistan has also solicited input on the draft from, from USERF, from the State Department, legal experts at Brigham Young University, and the UN Special Rapporteur, and, and other partners as well. Um, so we've seen from these reviews and recommendations so far that there are still significant issues in the draft, and we've yet to see how willing government officials actually are to accept and incorporate those recommendations. Now, clearly, on the one hand, there's still a fundamental desire on the part of government officials to maintain state involvement and certainly control over religious practices. We've been told by officials that they have certain red lines that they will never cross. And in the context of the draft law, they've told us that they will never remove the, re the requirement that all religious groups register with the government or rescind the bans on missionary activity and private religious education. And then along with that, the, the government plans to maintain, at least in the blast that we heard, extensive controls on religious literature, requiring that all religious materials, books, brochures, pamphlets, everything be approved by the state prior to production, publication, distribution. Now, to get back to the main part of your question, you know, where does the draft law stand now? Unfortunately, we don't exactly know. Parliament had already done an initial reading of the draft law last fall, but that was before the publication of the OSCE Venice Commission's review, which you know, the government of Uzbekistan requested to inform its drafting process. Um, we've been told that the government is still considering those recommendations, along with the recommendations submitted by USERF, but the government has been you know, rather quiet on this, and they haven't publicized a timeline for when Parliament will next review it and eventually pass the law. So... And at this point, we're hopeful that the delay is due to incorporating more of these really substantive recommendations and hope that the law that they do ultimately pass, you know, will reflect these international standards. So in addition to the adoption of a revised and hopefully a substantively improved religion law, are there any other areas where Uzbekistan is working on improving conditions? And and what areas has the government yet to address where limitations on religious freedom still exist? Yeah, that's a, a great question. There is other legislation besides the religion law that continues to impact and penalize the exercise of religious freedom. Uh, just two weeks ago, the government released a new draft of the criminal code, and there's already been some excitement that the government may decriminalize illegal possession and distribution of religious literature and related kind of printed or electronic materials, which, you know, that itself has been a charge that has been used to imprison many religious prisoners, particularly under the previous regime. Um, but it's unclear, even with these possible changes, if the government will actually stop going after independent Muslims on these kinds of you know, fabricated or overly broad extremism charges. You know, although the government ended raids on religious minority communities, we're still seeing cases of harassment against people that practice Islam outside the bounds of state control. 
So last year, one human rights activist, Musa John Bobojanov, was detained and given a, a shortened five-day sentence for illegally presiding over an Islamic marriage ceremony. Only you know, the official religious figures are permitted to do those kinds of things. And then just a couple of months ago, a member of Uzbekistan's small Shia Muslim community was pulled from a taxi cab while with his family and taken in for questioning and was then afterwards threatened when it was discovered that he had religious recordings on his phone. And then, of course, there's, there's also still the continued imprisonment of an unknown number of religious prisoners. Different estimates have put the number of religious prisoners in the thousands. And you know, while over the last few years, some prisoners have been released under presidential pardons, we haven't seen the government undertake a full review of these cases. Many of these prisoners were sentenced and put away during Karimov's time, subjected to torture, and on top of that, had their sentences arbitrarily extended by years, if not decades. And there really should be a more serious, comprehensive effort to release those who are only in prison in connection with their peaceful religious activities. Well, as you all know, Yusuf's been actively engaged in advocacy for religious prisoners, particularly through our a freedom of religion or belief victims list and the religious prisoners of conscience project, which we highlighted during a public event last uh, month. Um, but during Yusuf's most recent visit in 2019, you met with former religious prisoners and, and have advocated for the release of others, uh, as we've done uh, here at Yusuf. But can you tell us about any specific cases Yusuf is tracking now that, that might be of interest? Yeah, definitely. Um, within the last year, just to go back to a couple of more recent cases that we had followed, you know, we've been following and engaging with the government on the imprisonment of Aramay Sabakian and Rufitin Fahredinov, both of whom were included in Yusuf's four victims list. One is a Christian, the other a Muslim, but both have been sentenced on questionable religious extremism charges. So we were really glad, um, you know, after our advocacy to see that they were both finally released last year under separate presidential pardons. Um, as I said earlier, there are many religious prisoner cases in Uzbekistan, but there are a couple that we are continuing to follow rather closely now. One is that of Hyrule Tursunov. He's a Muslim who first came to the attention of Uzbekistan security services in the early 2000s in connection with his independent religious activities. And in 2009, he actually fled Uzbekistan for Kazakhstan with his family, you know, fearing that the state would continue to target him for his peaceful practice of Islam. Uzbekistan ended up pursuing him even there. Um, they requested his extradition, which unfortunately Kazakhstan complied with in 2013, despite the objections of the UN Committee Against Torture and local human rights organizations. And after he was returned to Uzbekistan, he was then prosecuted for alleged extremist activity and given 16 years in prison. Now, Forum 18, an NGO that covers religious freedom abuses throughout Central Asia and other countries in the region, has reported extensively on Tursunov's case. And over the years, they've expressed concerns that Tursunov was at one point potentially exposed to tuberculosis, was likely subjected to torture, and to this day continues to suffer from very serious medical conditions that prison officials have either failed to, to treat or have chosen not to. It's not entirely clear. Um, in addition to those you know, already very troubling allegations, Tursunov was also you know, apparently not allowed to perform the maz or to read from the Quran in prison. Um, you know, and, and as of this year, he still has eight years left of his sentence. 
And then just to mention one other case that we're continuing to be concerned about, um, Habibullah Madmarov was also sentenced on uh, charges of religious extremism. And he actually had his sentence extended a number of times while he was in prison. Um, he's the son of a human rights activist, Ahmad John Madmarov, which has led some to suggest that he was potentially specifically targeted uh, in connection with his father's human rights activism. Well, certainly a lot of uh, food for thought here, some, some uh, hope uh, for progress, and there has been progress, but also anticipation of further uh, progress. We'll have to leave it right here. I want to thank you, sir, uh, Senior Policy Analyst Keely Bakken, for joining us today and sharing these latest updates and providing insights on Uzbekistan. As always, you can find USERF's work on Uzbekistan and our latest policy recommendations that were discussed uh, today on our website at www.userf.gov. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on USERF Spotlight. To learn more about USERF and about global religious freedom concerns, visit usurf.gov. That's U-S-C-I-R-F dot gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at USCIRF. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another USERF Spotlight.